to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm thrilled to introduce my next guest to you. Her name is Dorothy Ilson, and she's the founder of Needles Eye Media. It's a boutique digital agency for data-driven businesses looking to scale. Dorothy's also the co-founder and CEO of The Gig, a digital media company that helps freelancers acquire and profit from high-income online sales in seven minutes a day or less through their flagship email newsletter. Welcome to Sugar Coated Dorothy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I am so excited just to kind of dive into this whole world of, you know, digital advertising, what data-driven really means, and also you as a woman, a woman founder, a woman leader. So let's kind of take a step back before we dive into all the business stuff. And let's learn a little bit about you. So how did you get to sort of where you are right now as we're speaking? Yeah, absolutely. So I did not plan on being an entrepreneur, at least, you know, not at you know, 25, which is, you know, when I started my business, um, I thought I was going to be an accountant. And I, you know, really uh, had this laser focused goal, I wanted to get a job with, you know, the big four, did my internship, landed the job that I'd worked so hard to get, and then just had this mental crisis of realizing, I'm doing this for all the wrong reasons. I'm not excited about this job. I don't like accounting. It's really just this, you know, cookie cutter idea of what I I thought success meant, what I thought my parents wanted, what I thought would make people, you know, feel a certain way about me. And so I decided to throw it all away and um, and take a leap. And so ended up giving up my job offer two weeks after I graduated and um, ultimately uh, went to go, didn't really know what what I was going to do or where I was going to land. But through some, you know, twisted turning events, um, you know, the, the university uh, showed me an opportunity and went to work for a startup here in Chicago, was there for a few years and then took another leap to to go off on my own and, and start the agency. That's amazing. And, you know, you're lucky in the fact that you recognized early on after you got a taste of, you know, the corporate world and accounting. And and I, I was actually in that world right before I started my business, but that had been after a, a career in, you know, finance and marketing. And before I left to go out on my own, I was working at one of those, you know, big four accounting firms, not as an accountant, more on the consulting side of things. But it really does kind of show you exactly what corporate is. And it shows you who is also in those roles, those senior roles. And I know for me, 
you know, I looked up at those people that were higher than me in that organization, and I didn't want to be them, even though I thought I wanted what they sort of had. So I I can really relate, and I'm envious that you were able to see that right away and venture out on your own. I think there's this misperception that working for a company like that provides stability. And I think that truly the, the message needs to be that as an entrepreneur, that's where you're actually in control. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's scary to think that, you know, when, when you are in corporate or, you know, really in any nine to five, I've had friends who are going through this, you know, right now with all the tech layoffs, you know, you can show up to work one day or get an, e- I mean, get an email in your inbox and all of a sudden you don't have a job anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it's really about kind of having the courage to bet on yourself. And I think the degree of like naivety that I had, you know, going into it almost worked to my advantage. Like I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And as you hit obstacles, as you have those, you know, crying on the floor of your office because you don't know, you know, how you're going to move forward, you know, past something happening, you do overcome those things. And then it starts to build that muscle so that you eventually get to a point where, you know, something happens that at one point would have seemed devastating. And, you know, you've worked so hard on building that muscle of resilience and and trust in your ability to overcome challenges that you just know, you know, well, I'm going to figure this out just like I figured out, you know, all the other things that have happened before. Mm. So Dorothy, that's so awesome how you were able to you know, recognize that this wasn't for you. And then you went in the completely opposite direction, right? And and joined a startup. What was what was that like for you? And then what out of that experience led you to say, you know, if 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 I could do this for them and I see what's going on, I can certainly do this for myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, so really that that experience of that startup, it was a crash course in what it looks like to scale a business, really a bootstrap business. So I was the uh, fourth employee at this company, which I didn't even realize when I joined how early they really were. And it was a, actually a company in the um, meal subscription space. Oh, wow. Like I wore so many hats when I started there. I mean, I would get there in the morning and I would go down to the warehouse and be packing order slips into boxes. And then I would come up and I would be doing, you know, data analysis, you know, on like ordering and projections. And my role was really concentrated in marketing, but it was really such a lesson of you do what needs to be done mm. in order to move forward. And, and it's, you know, it's really such a team effort and, and really scrappy. And so, you know, that was a you know totally bootstrap business by the founders and ultimately went on um, after I left to be acquired in a um, multiple nine figure acquisition. So you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really, really remarkable. And so um, they oh. got bought by HelloFresh eventually. And so, so when I left there, you know, it actually wasn't, oh, I did this for them. So I could do this, you know, for myself. It was actually, all right, what's the lifestyle I want? Because I had Mm. been fortunate there to have a lot of autonomy, a lot of flexibility, I could work remotely when I wanted to. And I wasn't willing to go, quote, unquote, backwards in that sense. And so it was less of, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to go do and go offer as a service and more so, all right, these are the things I'm good at. This is my skill set. What could I go do on my own? And that was really what led me into freelancing. And I think, you know, what is so incredible about freelancing as a path into entrepreneurship is that you don't need to necessarily start with, like, I I didn't have 
history in, you know, advertising or you're running Facebook ads or I really, you know, started by finding clients who were willing to take a bet on me, mm. working my, you know, working my butt off and, you know, learning how to deliver results and doing that on a small scale first, getting those reviews, getting those, you know, testimonials and, you know, building and building from there. And really only took, um, honestly, it took a few months, maybe four months for me to replace what I was making at that startup and then kept growing from there and, and eventually morphed into the agency that I still run. That's amazing. So what what was the timing between when you started freelancing and, and sort of where you are today? How, how many years has, yeah. has it been? Yeah. So that was um, the beginning of 2017 um, wow. that I went off on my own. Um, worked for about two and a half years, I would say, you know, as a solo freelancer, and then started growing a team. And so, you know, really, it was, you know, I guess 2020 that I really started as an agency, you know, with with a team, you know, helping me to work with our clients. But, you know, I think you had mentioned stability that can come from kind of controlling your own destiny. And I think that's one of my favorite things about freelancing, which is that when you have one of these skills, whether it be paid ads, graphic design, copywriting, when there is a market shift, changes in the market, you know, recessions, they don't tend to hit all sectors of the market equally. So if there is a shift, you know, you don't, you have this skill, right? So you don't need to change what you do. You just change who you do it for. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really powerful mindset shift that when COVID hit, for example, we lost 40% of our revenue overnight because two of our biggest clients were advertising events. But within yeah. probably six weeks, we had you know replaced those clients with, with businesses that were thriving during that time, you know, as, as a lot of businesses were during the pandemic. So I think that's a, a really powerful thing about you know, having some of these um, you know, skills that we talk about in the gig. I love this. So I, I just have to, you know, I list, I'm listening to you speak and I'm saying to myself, you know, you you really know your stuff when it comes to figuring out how you go about building a business. Did you learn these skills about how to go out and target the right customers? Did they, were they just, you know, something that you felt in your gut or was that something that you, that you learned along the way? Yeah. I mean, so I think the people side of the business has always been my strongest suit. And so it was a lot of trial and error, to be honest, a lot of doing things wrong and figuring it out. But sales was something that I always really enjoyed because, I, it, you know, it's this value exchange, right? You know, you have the ability to solve someone's problem. And so, you know, I think often people approach this, approach sales conversations or trying to find clients from this place of like, gosh, like, I hope they hire me. Like, I need that. Like, I, you know, I need them to hire me. And it's really it's so much more empowering to think about and approach those conversations from the standpoint of they have a problem and you have the solution yeah. to that problem. And so it is this value exchange. And so I think that is, you know, kind of a really key mindset shift to grasp. And really, that's the key to everything, isn't it? Like, you know, you need to be yeah. working equally as hard on your mindset as you are on your business. And, you know, I had so many, you know, this is the this is the sugar-coated podcast, you know, like I had so many huge mental traps that I would fall into and, um, you know, things that really held me back for a very long time that were really all about self-worth, about limiting yeah. beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really the most important thing ultimately. I totally agree with you. I actually teach a an entrepreneurship class at NYU and the Tisch Center for Hospitality, so event management, hospitality, tourism. And one of the key components of what we teach and what I 
I set the foundation for is mindset. And it feels very counterintuitive or maybe even woo when you're, you know, you're teaching at NYU and you're teaching this class where people expect to come in and, you know, learn about financial statements and growing and scaling. But, and we get to that, but before we are able to get to that, we do work on going inside and really identifying at the very least what are some of our fears, what are some of our mental blocks, you know, so that we at least know what we're working with before you go and start a company because that's the stuff that can bring a company down that I don't think anybody talks about. And especially, you know, I'm super focused on women And I think that women, unfortunately, and again, sweeping statements, but, you know, women do fall into the exact same traps that you're talking about. You know, we have a lot of self-doubt that is, I don't think it's ours. I think it's society makes us believe that that's how we need to be in order to be accepted. And so we take on something that's not ours. And then all of a sudden we realize we have it. And then we definitely need to unwind it because we're amazing. We can like figure anything out, you know? And it's unfortunate because I do think that there's a lot of time and energy wasted toward unraveling something that wasn't ours to begin with. And so I do have to ask, did you have this innate sense of confidence in yourself going into starting a business? Of course, you know, people fall into mind traps and everything, but did you have a base of confidence? I would say, you know, I did in the sense that I knew that I was going to do whatever it took to, you know, make this happen and to, you know, continue like working for myself was, was the ultimate goal. And, you know, I, I knew that I would push through and and that I would be scrappy. You know, I think for me, the biggest, honestly, the biggest mindset hurdle that I fell into was feeling like I didn't deserve the success that I was getting and that I wasn't worthy of more money, of more, you know, more freedom. Um, I had this really interesting, I mean, uh, honestly, like my biggest challenge with this was my income was rising year over year over year from the point I started this. And yet, you know, a few years into my business journey, I found myself in nearly six figures of debt. And it was because I was so convinced that I didn't deserve success and that I wasn't worthy of this, that I self-sabotaged and pushed away everything that came, came to me. Wow. And so it was this, you know, almost this like badge that I would wear, you know, in a negative way of, you know, okay, everyone thinks like I, everyone thinks I'm so successful. I have this bit, you know, I have this seven figure business, but you know, if they really knew, you know, Mm. what was going on behind the curtain, if they really knew that I had this debt that I, you know, had made these bad decisions over here, you know, that's, that's the real me, you know, I, I don't deserve any of this. And I would tell myself that. And it was when I ultimately, I I ended up paying off um, every single penny of that debt in less than a year's time once I actually worked on addressing the core issue, which wasn't a financial issue. It wasn't numbers on a spreadsheet. It was that I didn't believe that I was worthy. My God, Dorothy, this is like big. 
This is so big. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think at least I can completely relate to you. I I have done the same thing. I have, you know, from from the outside, and who knows what people think, or at least I think that people think this, you know, like, you know, I'm successful. I'm I'm doing all of these different things. I'm I'm out there, I'm making money, and you know, I have all these clients and stuff. And yet I too have made some decisions that I don't think were dumb at the time. I really don't. But it has led to debt that I'm uncomfortable with. I'm okay with a little debt, but I'm now in a place where it's too much. And, you know, a business credit card is being declined. And that is something that feels really scary to me. And I wonder why, you know, I did it. And I think that for me, you just hit on something like really deep. It's this it's almost like this really deep-seated belief, again, don't know if it's mine or societal, but that I'm not really successful, right? It's all a show. It's all a freaking show. So what did you do to address that core issue and and get yourself out of that and into this place? Because I think think a lot of people could, I really do think a lot of people can understand this and they want to get out of it. We, we nobody wants to be in debt like this. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I will, I will say it is so common. You know, you start joining masterminds and you know networking with you know higher level business owners, and you realize like so many people, there's so much more going on behind the scenes than than you might think. You know, just just looking at someone. And for me, mm. I had to have a complete breakdown in order to you know, realize what was really going on and and start to you know break through that. So what happened was, you know, I found myself you know, several times, you know, saying like, all right, I'm buckling down, like, I'm going to get rid of this, you know, I had this really high income. And yet, you know, I was, you know, a lot of it was self sabotaging through like hiring, you know, hiring really expensive coaches and, um, you know, investing in investing in masterminds that I had no business investing in at the time, like doing all these (laughs) things that like, I could justify because it's like, oh, yeah, this is taking me to the next level. But, you know, really, what I was doing was just self sabotaging by pushing away all of the money that was coming to me. And so Mm. I had this point where I decided, all right, I'm really going to buckle down and I'm going to take care of this. And I, you know, I'm a numbers person. I'm a spreadsheets girl. Like I ran the numbers on the spreadsheet and I said, all right, if I can pay myself this every month, then I'm going to be like, like I'm going to be able to tackle this debt so quickly. And, you know, I buckled down to, you know, get myself to where I was paying myself that, that magic number. Right. And all of a sudden I looked up five months later after, you know, doing this and, and paying myself at that level and realized my debt hadn't budged at all. And so oh. that was when, I mean, oh. I was just, I was a wreck. I was sobbing. I was like, this was supposed to do it. I am making more money than I ever thought that I'd be making at this point in my life. I'm making more money than all of my friends. Like how, like, how is this like, and this is really vulnerable for me to talk about because it's, it, yeah, like, it was painful. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so that was when I realized I was like, okay, this is, this is not the number, a numbers issue. This is, this is inside of me. So yeah. I realized you had asked about confidence and that was when, you know, someone actually reflected this back to me and said this to me. And, and, and when I heard this, like I just immediately started sobbing because I knew it was true. And what she said was, you have so much confidence in what you do in the, you know, services you provide and how you can help people and your, you know, your skills, 
you have absolutely no confidence in yourself as a person and as a woman. Oh my God. My God, Dorothy, I feel like you're reflecting me back. I get it. I get it. I'm the same way. Confidence in the skills, I can do anything. But the self-worth part of it is shaky. Yeah. We need to think about how we talk, how we talk to ourselves, right? You know, my sister reflected back to me once, you know, that I was constantly saying, you know, saying things about how lazy I am. She was like, you are the least lazy person I know. What are you saying? You know, because I tied my self-worth to my productivity. And if I wasted, you know, two hours, you know, messing around on my phone, I turned that into I'm, I'm bad. I, you know, I should feel shame. And, and so I think it's really about like sitting, like if you're in this position, if you're going to, you know, where I was in that kind of moment of, of devastation, many moments. Yeah. I really encourage you to sit with this question of if you strip away everything that you do for other people, everything that you do for work, who are you? Mm. Like, who are you outside of what you, what you do? Because all of that could go away tomorrow but you would still have value to offer to the world. You would still have inherent value in just who you are, you know, as a person in the, you know, the, the way that you, the way that you show up and and the way that you are. And, and you don't need to earn that. You don't need to prove that you just are worthy. And until you believe that, you won't be able to get through any of these issues that are our numbers on paper or are these uh, these kind of superficial problems that come from a lack of self-worth. So, I mean, I've actually, and I'll be vulnerable right back to you, I've actually gone into therapy because of this very issue, this lack of self-worth. And it, it was very confusing to me because I do have this incredible level of confidence in my skill set and that I can figure anything out. Like, I just, it, it feels so... Like, yeah, I know. Like, it's there's such a deep knowing there. But even as we're talking, I'm getting a little emotional because, you know, this self-worth and like, who would you be when you strip away all of it? And it's sort of like, I don't know. And even at, like, I'm sitting here, I'm 52 years old. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not really sure. Like, I think I'm like, at least nice and fun. <laughs> like those, those are two things. Yeah. But you know, so I guess that would be who I would be, you know, if I had nothing. But how do you, how do you get to this idea of this self-worth and and just the knowing? Because you, in your, in your mind, you can intellectualize it like, okay, I get it. But how do you like really feel it? Yeah. So there's a couple things that I did. Um, First of all, I'll kind of clarify this. Like, it's it's not about what other people think, but sometimes going to the people who are closest to you in your life and starting there can be really helpful. So I actually, you know, kind of mm-hmm. identified, all right, who are the people closest to me? You know, friends that I've had since I was a child, my sister, you know, my, you know, like people who are super, super close to me. And I asked them, you know, how, how would you describe me? how do you see me? Like, what are the words that you would use to describe me? And, you know, if my, my job, my, if, if everything that I do, you know, kind of went away tomorrow, 
why do you, why do you still care about me? And asking those questions is very powerful because it can start to give you insight into the things that, that you don't really give yourself credit for. Um, you know, that, and so when I went through this exercise, you know, it was, it was so emotional, like reading these, um, you know, these messages that I got back of, you know, people, you know, my friends reflecting back to me, you know, that I am kind, that I am compassionate, that I am joyful, that I am brave, you know, like words that I never really kind of thought to, to describe myself as. And so I really sat with that for, for some time. And then journaling is, is really powerful for me. And so it's one of those things where it's so hard to stay consistent with, but then you realize that the times when your like mental health is the strongest are like the times when you are doing, you know, those, those things to take care of yourself. So I spent so much time just reflecting and journaling and, and thinking about who I want to be in the world. Like what, what are the the qualities that I admire and, you know, where do I see those in myself? And then, you know, I really do, you mentioned therapy. I am such a strong believer in, in therapy, in, in working with people who can help you to kind of see through your own bullshit and the stories that yeah. you tell yourself. So mm-hmm. I think there's no one answer. It's, it's a combination of so many things. My goodness. You know, this, this conversation, I just feel like is really special and I appreciate you just sharing your wisdom and your experience and being so vulnerable like this. I, I, you know, it is definitely not what I expected to be talking about, but I'm so glad that we did. And maybe it's because I, I personally need to, to hear this. And, and it's funny because, you know, I don't, I don't know you well, but what does come across to me, just talking to you here is I do see a lot of joy and kindness just in your in your face and the way that you are. So that that does come through like really clearly. So your friends are right. <laughs> yeah. And, and the so brave sweet. part, I don't really know because I don't really know you well, but I think there's evidence here, you know, the bravery of taking these big leaps and knowing that you could do it and then overcoming these really big obstacles that, you know, quite frankly, not everybody is able to overcome them. And, you know, it's funny when you when you come out of corporate, like like I did, budgets, right? You're working with these budgets, working with 42, 50, $100 million budgets. And, you know, we used to joke around a lot like, oh, yeah, we could do that $20,000 thing. It's a rounding error, right? So it's like the perspective that you have, you know, $150,000 to one might seem like, I'll never pay that off in my lifetime. The the other perspective is it's only $150,000. How long will it really take to pay that back? 4 months? I mean, really. It's it's really not yeah. that much money depending on how you look at it. And I think that yeah. that's the power part of it too, right? If you look at it like, well, okay, $150,000, think I could pay this off in 6 months, no big deal. And then you do it. You know, but if you're like in my lifetime, I'm never going to be able to pay this off. You won't be able to pay it off because you just don't have the right mindset. So, you know, putting a pin in the mindset and it's the most important thing. And it is the thing that we need to, you know, take care of the most. So I actually want to just kind of shift because, right, so you are working with data-driven businesses. Can you explain, you know, what that means or what characterizes a data-driven business? Yeah. So it is very easy to 
you know, just be driven by our emotions in terms of, you know, kind of how we make decisions inside of our business. And to some degree, that's a good thing, right? You know, I, I believe in intuition. Like I am very, like I'm one of the most woo-woo people out there. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is certainly, you know, not to discredit that. However, you know, what, what my agency does specifically is, you know, we manage, you know, we run paid traffic, right? So we're managing our clients' ad accounts. And so many of our clients, you know, came to us because they were, you know, often a lot of them were trying to run their own ad accounts. And when you are spending money, you know, often a lot of money driving traffic, you know, to your business, it can be very stressful to log into your ad account and see like, God, I, like I spent, even if it's $500 or whatever on, on this, you know, this campaign and, you know, I haven't gotten a sale yet. And like, oh my gosh, like what, like it can cause you to just really kind of react and make decisions Mm. inside of your ad account that, you know, really are not rational in terms of, you know, Mm. what, what the data is actually telling you. So, so when I say like, you know, data-driven, like we want to work with data-driven clients, it's clients who understand that, the numbers tell you what to do. The data tells you what to do. It tells a story. And if you mm. can kind of have the, the perspective to step back and, and look, you know, kind of see the, see the forest for the trees, if you will, and to kind of learn to read the story that the data is telling you and where it's telling you to go next, then, you know, you will ultimately get much better results from that. Mm, I love that. And uh, that's such a perfect example, too, because, you know, that $500 that you spent that yielded, quote unquote, nothing, it might not have yielded the sale, but it will yield insight. And so then the next $500 that you spend is probably going to be however many times as efficient as that first $500. But you can never get there until you actually spend that first amount and gather the learnings. It's the it's yeah. it's almost classic the the entrepreneurial way, right? Put something out there, test it, get feedback and iterate. Right. That's the exact same concept. Yeah. Exactly. And and the only way that you can do that effectively is if you actually know your numbers if you have your numbers, right? So right. so what I encourage, like whatever your business is, whether you're e-commerce, services, um, digital products, understand the steps that someone goes through from first hearing about you, whether that's clicking an ad or you know seeing you on Instagram and lay out all of those steps between that first touch point and ultimately making the sale and then figure out how you can begin to track how many people are are hitting each step. So I'll give you a really simple example. Yep. Like when I first started freelancing, you know, selling my my services, you know, managing Facebook ads it was at the time. You know, I was reaching out to people on on Upwork, you know, it's a freelancing platform where people kind of post post jobs. So, you know, my steps were okay, I submit proposals, those proposals turn to messages, those messages turn to intro calls, the intro calls turn to audits and the audit may turn into a client. So I had a spreadsheet where I would track, okay, like every single day, how many proposals did I send? How many people responded? How many of those turned into calls? How many turned into audits? How many turned into sales? And when you track those numbers or whatever your steps are, you can very quickly start to see where the breakdown is. Is your proposal ineffective? Mm. Or are you doing a great job at your proposals, but it's the sales calls or it's the audit? Or you know, you can, once you know where your your leaks are in in this you know in this funnel in this bucket, um, then you can work to plug those leaks and systematically 
close those gaps and improve, you know, the ultimate results at the end. I love this so much. The, there's such gold in this whole entire conversation on a million different levels. But I really like this idea of, you know, start with start with your passion, right? Like, like start your business with your passion, fine, or, or your skill set and have a little passion, tap into your intuition. But very quickly, start thinking about your business as a business. And as if you were a consultant working on someone else's business, where you are, where you remove yourself a little bit from the outcome, because otherwise you are going to start to, even if it's that there's a breakdown in what your example in the proposals, someone who has maybe some low self-worth, which I can relate to, starts to not think about how can I improve the proposal, but I suck at proposal writing. I'm a loser. My business is is terrible. I'm never going to get this. Instead of being more like a scientist saying, oh, this isn't working. How can I tweak it? Let me go find other proposals that probably work or let me test out two different proposals and see which one is better and then choose. Yeah. It's a different exactly. mindset. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I just love this so much. And I think this works, this concept works not only for sales, for, for ads, but for everything in your business, right? Take that step back so that you can approach things from more of a business mind, a logical perspective. That's the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know how to preach it. I just know I just need to practice it. <laughs> yes. Always easier said than done. Um, yes. So uh, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So, and then in addition to, oh, and I wanted to just want ask one really quick question about Needles Eye Media. So are you working across like different types of companies? So like you mentioned e-commerce and things, is it products and services or do you just focus on, on one either niche or type of business? Yeah. So, I mean, over the six years since I started the business, I have worked with you know just about everything under the sun. But today, uh, we you know we really do focus on digital product businesses. So mm-hmm. most of our clients are selling online courses on the front end, mm-hmm. and then ascending mm-hmm. into you know higher ticket programs or you know masterminds or um, you know one on one coaching, you know things like that on the back end. So um, we work with a lot of webinar funnels, um, you know, but uh, primarily primarily digital product businesses is really. Where we focus. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that's not grabbing the word, but like syncs up really nicely with the audience who listens into this sugar-coated podcast. Because a lot of the women are doing the masterminds and the webinars and then selling the higher ticket one-on-one consulting or coaching services. So this is this is gold. This is so good. So then you are also the co-founder and CEO of The Gig. Can you tell us a little bit about The Gig? Yeah. So this really came out of, you know, my my co-founder and myself, his name's Jim Hamilton. He's worked with me in the agency, you know, since um, since 2020. And freelancing was both of our kind of entry points into entrepreneurship. And we are so passionate about freelancing as an opportunity to create more freedom, more income, you know, more of the things that, that you may want in your life. And, and also, you know, it doesn't really matter kind of where you're starting, right? So like I had some skills in or some experience in marketing, but you know, really didn't have experience in ads. Um, Jim was a massage therapist when he decided that he, you know, wasn't satisfied with that 
career and decided to become a copywriter, right? So, you know, we just both really believe in freelancing, you know, and the, the opportunity that it provides. And so the gig is an email newsletter that is really all about teaching you, you know, how to, how to find clients, how to work with clients, how to work for yourself and, and really how to build um, a successful freelancing business. This is wonderful. I am definitely signing up for it. I'm going to also give it to my son who is studying communications and advertising in college. And his summer job doesn't start until the end of June when elementary schools get out because he's a, you know, at a, a camp, he's a lifeguard. So, you know, I've said to him, you must be earning money from now because you're home until the end of June when when you're uh, lifeguarding starts and he was and he keeps talking about freelancing and outsourcing and everything and he oh, doesn't really nice. know exactly what he's talking about so i'm going to sign him up for the newsletter and tell him take a look at all of this go back to other newsletters and and start your own little freelancing business honey <laughs> all right well let me let me give a gift to your son and to the rest of your audience as well so awesome. um i have this uh training that we actually sell through the gig on my exact step-by-step process for how to get clients from Upwork when you're brand new. And mm. I would love to give it away to, to your audience, to your son. So uh, you can go to thegig.io slash C slash VIP, um, ba- sorry, backslash C backslash VIP. And if you opt in there, you'll get that, that Upwork training for free. Um, and anyone who subscribes to the gig, you'll also get our high income skills guide, which goes through, you know, kind of the the skills that have the biggest demand and the biggest opportunity um, in freelancing. Oh my, thank you so much for that gift. That is wonderful. He is signing up for this as soon as I get off with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to wake him up because, you know, he got home at one o'clock in the morning yesterday. Um, (laughs) But oh my gosh, this has just been such an incredibly wonderful conversation. Like I said, on so many different levels, I appreciate talking to you so much and for you just sharing everything about yourself, your challenges and how you overcame everything and your businesses. So how can people, if they want to connect with you, maybe talk more, learn a little bit more, how can they do that? Thank you, Adrian. It's been an honor, seriously. So you can connect with me on, I'm on Instagram at Dorothy Ilson, um, LinkedIn, um, send me a message. You know, I, I don't have anything to sell you. Honestly, we have a free newsletter. The agency's awful. So I have nothing to sell you, but I would love to connect. Um, so find me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and uh, we can go from there. And then you can find the gig at uh, thegig.io. Amazing. Well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. The She Leads Podcast Network.